All right, guys, we have a very special announcement. It's official. The Bases Loaded Pod is joining the Roto Baller Radio Podcast Network. A little bit about Roto Baller. Since 2013, Roto Baller has been grinding away, providing millions of fantasy addicts their fix of player news and cutting edge fantasy analysis. If you didn't know, Roto Baller's 2020 MLB draft kit is already live. Roto Baller's premium draft kit includes exclusive access to 15 draft tools, including printable cheat sheets for every single possible league type. I'm talking mixed leagues, points, head-to-head, dynasty, roto, AL only, NL only, you name it, they've got it. Roto Baller's premium draft kit includes exclusive access to 15 draft tools. These draft tools include printable cheat sheets for every single possible league type. I'm talking mixed leagues, points leagues, head-to-head, roto, dynasty, AL or NL only, you name it, they've got it. They also offer rankings and projections from the number one most accurate industry expert, Nick Mariano. Not to mention access to their exclusive rankings wizard. Like I said, there's 15. Those are just three. So there's so much more to check out. For a limited time, get your MLB premium pass for 50% off. But wait, it does actually get better. Right now, you can get an additional 10% off if you use promo code BASESLOADED. Just visit rotoballer.com slash BASESLOADED to sign up for your premium pass today so you can dominate your leagues tomorrow. Bases loaded and one out. Oh my God! Deep to right field, way up there and way out of here. Second deck walk off home run. Grand slam. Hello and welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bases Loaded. Bases Loaded is a fancy baseball podcast, and I'm your host, Mike Curland. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curland. And tonight we have Zach. We have George. You can follow them on Twitter. George is at Roto underscore Nino. Zach is at Braff Z. Gentlemen, what's going on? Zach, welcome back. It feels like you've been gone forever. Thank you. Thank you. Good to be well, back. Good to be back with both of you. No, thank you. So kind of you. <laughs> at least you remember my name this time. Only because I have them in front of me on the screen. <laughs> yeah. What's up, guys? Just uh, episode 96 and getting there. Almost 100. Yeah. Oh, way to steal the thunder! Like, like I was just talking about that before we press play, and now you're like, "Oh, let me mention it." So, yep. Yeah, we're almost at we're almost at episode 100. I can't believe it, man. It's it's crazy how much we've come so far, how far we've come in such a short time. It feels like, but then at the same time, it feels like we've been doing this for a long time. We just haven't stopped in like a year. That's the thing. <laughs> like, I guess, we, like even when there's no baseball, <laughs> we're recording. So anyway, speaking of no baseball, that's kind of the idea for tonight's episode. We are gonna. Literally go team by team. We're focusing. We're focusing solely on the universal DH proposal because everything else is so much up in the air. Like they've already discussed possibly adding Texas to the places where they'll play baseball. So it might not just be Florida and Arizona. So we're looking at Florida, Arizona, possibly Texas. So until that is ironed out more clearly, I think the only thing we can bank on if there's a season is that there will be a universal DH. I feel like that's a very safe concept. Would you guys agree with that? Yeah. Zach, I would agree as well. Ooh, that's no fun. Anyway, so <laughs> way more, way, way, way higher energy tonight. I was definitely half asleep on the last one, but I'm back. No sleep, no sleepy K won't make an appearance. I got coffee coursing through my veins at eleven o'clock at night. It makes sense with the proposal, um, you know, with the realignment of the leagues, having mixing the AL and NL teams to just have the universal DH, uh, especially if they're going to expand rosters and stuff. So. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm all for that, and it's definitely going to have fantasy implications if we, you know, get this season rolling at some point. Exactly. So that's why we are harping on it so much. That's why we're dedicating an episode to it. 
and we're going to go through every NL team and touch on a player or two from every team that might gain value. It's a relatively simple concept, but I think it's going to be fun. I think we might uncover some names you guys might not think about. Who knows? We'll see. But before we get started, there is a name that actually could get, be impacted by this in a positive way, and that's Yasiel Puig. As we know, as of right now, he is not um, signed. Apparently, according to his agent, I believe, or or Puig himself has confirmed that he has multiple offers on the table, including one from Miami that just wasn't enough for him, so to speak. But other than that, I mean, you're looking at, again, being a universal DH would definitely boost his stock. And I'm wondering if him potentially signing is implication of the MLBs as far as how how teams believe that there's going to be a season. You know what I mean? Zach, what do you think about Puig and him? this whole signing thing? Do you think he's going to be signed? I think he'll get signed eventually. Um, I'm not going to lie. Just him being unsigned at this point. Um, I mean, obviously, no baseball now, but even when it was spring training, it's very concerning when he's not signed during spring training. That's quality time for these guys to work on their swing and get ready, get in shape uh, for the season. And if he's not there, I mean, you see it a lot with with pitchers specifically. Um, if they sign late, a lot of relievers and starters sign late and they're just uh, their game is just off when the season starts. So I'm concerned about that with him. I'm concerned he's not going to be ready to go once the season does start, if and when it does start. So he's really somebody that I, I know it's good value because he's not signed at this point, but he's somebody that I'm really not targeting in drafts but we'll see depending on where he signs maybe that changes but i'm personally not all that interested in puig at this point what about you george no i mean uh interested him like from a fantasy standpoint as far as like targeting him if you're like in uh, any drafts or anything i mean probably not within maybe the first 200 picks after that i mean yeah he's worth a flyer for sure i'm actually like okay with them as far as fantasy like i'm actually feeling this is way this is a lot more encouraging because i actually have a couple early shares one of them being in, in tgfbi but touching on what you discussed zach as far as not being ready all these prolonged breaks for all these players if he gets signed prior to any form of a restart there's gonna be a spring training period again he would pretty much i would think be on even playing field assuming he's been staying in shape this whole time which all these players have to do on their own anyway right now yeah, but he hasn't seen live pitching at all How this we season. Know? Well, it, it's it, it's different in a cage versus on the field playing other teams, playing other big league pitchers. I, I can I can understand that. I think my only again my counter would be that a lot of these guys, like a lot of the starters, don't they only get an inning or two against an ace anyway, who's probably working on a slider or curveball at the time anyway. So how much are they really seeing of true live pitching as well? That's why spring training's stupid. Yeah, like, it's possible he's ready to go. <laughs> But um, it's just, just concerning. Just yeah. Devil's advocate on my end, that's all. Miami would be a nice fit for him, though. Yeah, because, again, you know what? That's perfect. We'll transition right into the Universal DH talk. We're actually starting with the NL East. And I guess we'll start with Miami because you mentioned it last. I wasn't going to start with Miami. I was going to let you talk about the Mets first. But we'll start <laughs> right there in Miami. Could do that. Actually, I actually had the Braves pulled up. I, I had the wrong team pulled up altogether. So if you start in Miami, George... Who would be a name that you think would gain some value from Universal DH? Well, the first thing that comes to mind for me is Garrett Cooper. You know, he's was kind of fighting for a lineup spot, right? I mean, first base outfield kind of in the mix there with uh, between both positions. And he's someone that stood out when I was looking at some batted ball data as someone who hits the ball very hard. And uh, it just he hits the ball on the ground too much. I mean, if he could just lift the ball a little bit, 
he's got a ton of potential. So I, I know you're a big Garrett Cooper guy too. Uh, how do you feel about him? Well, yeah, you mentioned it. And I think he was actually addressing the swing change in the spring or he was starting to that. He mentioned that he know you know, players know that they, you know I mean? They, they, they have all the same information we have. He knows he was hitting too many ground balls. He knows he needed to get the ball in the air more. And I think he was actually making a conscious effort to in spring before spring got shut down. I think Eric Cooper is the likely guy as well to grab the DH spot, but John Birdie's still there. We can't just forget about him. I'm not sure how much of a small ball they want to run here, Miami, because they could use Garrett Cooper's pop in this lineup because once you get past the top four, the power kind of falls off. Like you have Isan Diaz, Jorge Alfaro, who can hit for power but hits swing around balls. Lewis Brinson, yeah. who just we don't know any we we just I've given up hope. And then Miguel Rojas, who if it wasn't for his glove, wouldn't even be a starter. So you see my point? It's like Cooper fits the team need of power more, but Birdie still is a pretty solid bat. Although a late bloomer, just somebody I feel like, you know I feel like he belongs on the Cardinals. So like John Birdie being a late bloomer just feels like a Cardinals thing. But Zach, <laughs> do you have anything to add to this? Uh, those are good names. I have two other names that I think Ooh. would benefit from this. So I'm intrigued by the uh, the first base situation over in Miami. So right now Jesus Aguilar is locked in at that first base position, but they have an up and coming prospect in Lewin Diaz who is said to be very close to being MLB ready. He's a very good defender. So this opportunity of the universal DH could kind of slot him right in there. It could move Aguilar to DH and Diaz could get the playing time at first base. Diaz had a, uh, was traded last year. I think he was in the, I think it was a Sergio Romo deal last year. Uh, so he came over last year from the twins and he had a great season last year. He, uh, he bat 270 and he knocked in, uh, 75 runs and 27 homers last year. So he made some huge improvements last year in the minors. And like I said, he's in AAA. He should be ready to go, especially with this layoff. So, uh, this could be a great opportunity to slide him into first base because he's a more superior defender compared to Aguilar, and Aguilar could slide into the DH role. So those are two guys I would be watching in this scenario. I'm just more concerned, like, as much as I'd love to see Lewin Diaz come up and smash a few dongs, I just don't trust Miami to go young. They're probably If there is any form of a trade deadline, they're going to try to build any type of, you know, value in these players prior to trading them. So that's the only reason why it's like I want – trust me, I would love to see Diaz – I think it was Shelly. I, I forgot who it was. We, uh, I was having a conversation about him on this podcast last season. The excitement's real. I'm very, very excited to watch him come up. But heck, I'm excited for all of our minor leaguers. I mean, and there's another one. Um, Jesus Sanchez was another guy that came to mind when you mentioned AAA. Yep. He yes. struggled a little bit last year. Um, yeah, that's but, the only but yeah, he's they're both ready to go. Yeah, so one th- one thing to consider with some young guys too is that uh, I-, I believe with the agreement between the MLB and MLBPA is like if they play this season, any you know any of these young guys that get called up would essentially receive a full year of service time, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, I think that right. Is so true. that's I mean that's something you know I'm just I'm not too sure they would call up Diaz at this point, but I mean hey he he's like you said you pointed out he's an interesting bat for sure. Well, if that's the case, I mean that that could that rule could affect a lot of these teams. If that's the case, uh, oh, top prospects. But <laughs> with the layoff, <laughs> with the layoff, you would think that maybe some of these teams would be more aggressive um, in terms of calling up some of their top guys. So, just, just the Marlins wouldn't be one of those teams, unfortunately. Trust me, very unfortunate. I want to see some of these young some of these young players like Monty Harrison's another name. I would love to see him up. I'll yeah. see. I mean, he's already twenty four. This he'll be twenty five by the end of the year. 
why like how much more do you really how much more seasoning does he need let him come up and play yeah. just you know another name is all so my, miami's littered with young talent and potential which i've never thought i'd say those words but then again they usually do well with homegrown talent and then they trade it all away yeah so it'll be interesting to see what teams do we don't know yet are they going to be aggressive or are they going to be conservative and hold these guys back who knows but... we don't know what we don't know what rules are going to be put in place all that good stuff as well so Yep. We'll tra- All right, that's enough with the Marlins. We will move over to the Mets. Zach, take it away. Ooh, my boys. So there are a few names that I have written down here that I think could strongly benefit. The most obvious one, in my opinion, would be Mr. Cespedes. No, wrong name. J.D. Davis. But anyway, I, was leave- I was leaving that for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think this would benefit Cespedes the most because the dude can't run at all or play the field at all he can barely move we have no idea what's going on with him uh we have no idea how he's recovering from his heel injury from his wild boar incident last year we have no idea but wait, uh, wait, wait 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 you you did not just take the opportunity you how could you not you say the word we don't know how he's healing how could you not go that oh, pun man. you're so terrible that <laughs> pun city on. i left come it for on. you i left you, it for you it was a layup it was a layup and you straight up like hit the rim <laughs> goodness anyways but no, there's a lot of good opportunities here um, for guys that could slot into DH. A lot of old guys, Cespedes and Cano come to mind. Just guys that really are slowing down and having a lot of injuries. Um, so maybe getting them out of the field would keep them on the field a little bit more, but more in the DH spot. So I would say Cespedes and Cano are two top options that could help here. Now, who would they say they give to Cano? They put what McNeil at second. Put McNeil at second, and your boy JD Davis at third. That's what, and that's how like if that happens, and Cespedes is Cespedes the odd man out. Does Dominic Smith get a chance in the outfield? Is Jed Lowry a thing? I mean, people keep trying to trace him in the in the, <laughs> the video, thing in the show. Yeah, the thing about yeah. this roster is there's a lot of flexibility. I mean, like you said, you got guys like Dom Smith who could play multiple positions. You got McNeil, JD Davis. Uh, a lot of these guys can play multiple positions, so there really is a lot of flexibility as to what they could do. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, Cespedes, this is a contract year for him, right? I mean, it he's is. got all the incentive to go out there and, and you know try to showcase uh, you know his skills, you know what he has left in the tank, if anything. But the Mets, really, I mean, no one's going to trade for him, you know, at this and with with the under these circumstances. I mean. They really have no incentive to to run him out there. So I mean, I, I kind of lean towards you know maybe they're putting Dominic Smith out there and then having um, maybe JD Davis. I, I don't know. One one big thing to consider with all this DH is as much as we want the best bats out there, if someone if someone can DH and they can put a better defender out there who's maybe not fantasy relevant. I mean, the team these teams are going to do that. And that's a good point. You really want the best guys out on the field defensively. And Dom Smith, the guy that you said, he's he's very good defensively, but not in the outfield. He's a first right. baseman. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see Dom at first base and maybe Alonzo get some DH time. So it's all possible. You really want the best guys out in the field with the gloves. But um, there's just so many options to go around here. Interesting. Yeah, of course, J.D. Davis, I think. he It goes from him being questionable questionable as far as playing times i think there's a little more job security for him and we all know that bat plays and it would be awesome to see him get full-time run at any point like any position honestly so yeah this would definitely I, help jd davis's case for sure Yeah, and i can't get enough jd davis in my life so <laughs> we, <laughs> we know 
I know. <laughs> I haven't. I, it's been a while, man. I haven't spoken about him in a long time, and I, I miss him. I, I miss him so much. Uh, Philadelphia. I, it's weird saying I miss a grown man. That's actually. I think he's younger than me. Anyway, it's it's funny. We were on the Exit Velocity pod. Um, oh, last, oh, 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 shame I know. Me. Feel free to cut this out. No but on the Exit Velocity pod last week, we were we were doing a Mets preview, and we were, they brought up JD Davis, and I told them that you have a serious infatuation with JD Davis. <laughs> I, it may be appropriate to say I have an infatuation with JD Davis's bat. Take it for what it's worth. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. So we're gonna actually we're actually gonna go ahead and tra- uh, transition over to the Phillies now, actually. Okay. And um, let's see what we got there. I'm going to start, I guess, this time around. And I think one of the more obvious names that gains value right away is Jay Bruce kind of being the odd man out. And I feel like they can use a little thump. I mean, they have a good amount of pop in that lineup with Bryce Harper and Hoskins. But they can go ahead and drop a Jay Bruce towards the bottom of that lineup and really give them some solid power at the back end there. I think it would be a pretty good difference-making move. I mean – We'll see if that happens, and he would definitely fit a DH spot for sure. But other than other than Jay Bruce, is there any other names you guys had in mind? That's the name that I had in mind. That's really the only one that personally yeah. stands out at the big league level. Yeah, it's there me. you go. That's the yeah, key. absolutely. That's that's the one that just makes sense. He's your prototypical kind of DH at this point at 33 years old. He did hit 26 home runs and only 333 plate appearances. So I mean, there you go. That's all you're really asking for from your DH. Exactly. And I mean, Alec Bohm, again, it all goes, when it comes to these young guys, it's all going to come down to how aggressive teams want to be and the rules that end up being put out about as far as like service time. Because right. So a team like the Phillies who are, you know, expected to compete, they might be more willing to, you know, even in a shortened season, give these young kids, um, you know, their, their year of service time, like Alec Bohm, who uh, was actually hitting the ball very well. I mean, as far as his average goes, I don't think he had hit for any power yet in spring training, but he was hitting the ball well and uh, playing third base. He's still working on his defense there. But uh, Boehm, yeah, could definitely be a guy that could come up in DH at some point for them. I think this should all but secure Spencer Howard's spot in the rotation. I know we're talking about universal DHs. But remember, I think it came out right before everything that he was already fighting. Or not, maybe it was after. But it was talking about how, you know, with the downtime, he'll be healthy. And he'll be coming back fighting for a spot. Now, that, now if they're willing to, you know, they don't seem to be caring about service time. Maybe Bohm and Howard come up together as the best available players to help them make that playoff push. Because obviously, with the money they're spending, with the moves they made for Wheeler and all that in the offseason as well, it just makes sense that they would go for it. And Bohm might be the choice over Bruce. I don't. I mean, I think if they can avoid it, they will. Maybe give Bruce a chance first, but I don't think Bruce is going to have a long leash. So I would actually favor Bohm for majority of the year, honestly. Give or take. That's just my thoughts on it, though. Yeah, so. yeah. I, I think um, he's he's a pretty pretty well polished as far as uh, his hit hitting goes. Um, I'd like to see that power develop. So I'm Bowman, someone I'm excited about. All right, that was easy enough. Let's move over to the Braves. Uh, George, continue on the Braves, man. Who do you got here? I think the the obvious move to DH is uh, to get Marcel Ozuna out of the outfield. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I think that goes without saying. Um, I, want, I want to see him scale walls, though, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, no man. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, that that just kind of makes sense. It goes back to the point that I was kind of making about, um, you know, just if, if they have the option to DH, they're going to put their better defenders out there. So getting uh, Ozuna to DH and then, I don't know, um, does that give Austin Riley a, a spot in the outfield? Um, Nick Markakis back out there? Duval. 
Adam Duvall is another one. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, I think you'll see Marcelo Zuna as the designated hitter. <laughs> That's so depressing to hear, but you're probably right. What do you think, Zach? You don't have to see Ozuna throw the baseball anymore either if he's at <laughs> DH. God, what a brutal arm that guy has. But yeah, I agree with what George said. Ozuna slotting into DH would make sense. And then the two benefactors really would be Marcakis. You, you got to get Marcakis' bat in the lineup. He's just rock solid year in, year out. Um, but Marcakis and Austin Riley are definitely the names. Um, Marcakis, just a good contact bat. And Austin Riley, we saw what he did when he came on the scene. Um could he be more like that guy, that player uh, who just came on the scene, or is he more like the slumping Austin Riley that we saw towards the end of the season? Hopefully he's more the the player when he was first called up, but um, yeah, he just needs to get some reps and this might be the perfect opportunity for him to get those reps. And I just don't see, I'm not buying into, I think Riley should, but I don't think he's going to get the, the, DH spot. I would love to see him or outfield or wherever they want to put him. I just don't think he gets it. I think they're gonna use this opportunity because they still want to keep him down for whatever reason. And they have having Duval and having Marcakis kind of just sitting on the bench. I think they're more likely to get those those reps early on for whatever reason. I mean, Duval was getting a lot of run in spring as it is. We know what Nick Marcakis is. He's nothing flashy, but he gets the job done. He would be a nice welcome addition to the middle of that lineup in the five or six hole. Just because, again, you know he's going to hit for good average, get on base, and hit in a lot of runs. So, although Riley, I think in our heads and in our hearts we want him there, but we can't – I just don't see it happening (laughs) with what they have on the bench. That just sounded very inspirational in our heads and in our hearts. That's awesome. Riley lives in our heads and our hearts, but not on the playing field. So, <laughs> all right. See, this episode, this episode's already way better than the last one. Jeez, I'm so excited. Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. Mike and I, yeah. You guys just needed me. Just say it. You needed me. Without you, I, I couldn't even tell what day it was without you, Zach. I, I, I thought it was Saturday. We were recording on a Friday night. I was over here saying it was a Saturday night. <laughs> yeah, it's all because, Zach, you, you complete us, buddy. That's that's what it sounds like you guys are saying, and I appreciate it. We, you completed so much, I can't wait until you're off the next episode. Anyway, <laughs> uh, anyway, so and it sucks. Uh, it'll suck. And it'll, people actually prefer without you. Uh, mm-hmm. Mets, Braves, Marlins. Oh, Nationals. That's the last team. Nationals loading rosters here. Su- super prepared for this. Um, <laughs> my, my my internet's usually really good, and it's just loading. There it goes. Okay, so DH Nationals. Howie Kendrick is the obvious one that pops up to me. I mean, there's a few names. They have a lot of names here. I think this helps Key Boom keep that spot at their base because between Cabrera and Kendrick, that gives an extra spot for them to play. But other than that, I mean, I don't know. I think Key Boom gains the most as far as DH goes. I would like to think Howie Kendrick would get a lot of those reps. But with Zimmerman and his dribble, Cabrera and Howie Kendrick, it's just hard to tell. I know I just touched on all three names, but what do you guys think is going to end up ultimately happening here in dc yeah i think i think zimmerman and eric eric thames are the two names that are going to benefit from this um as of right now thames is slotted in at first base with zimmerman coming off the bench i mean zimmerman's right-handed bat in the middle of this lineup would be would be huge to add that in there so i think zimmerman if he can get some more playing time out of this i think that would be huge um and howie kendrick is Kind of like a jack of all trades. I don't know if they would slot him into DH. He's still pretty good defensively, so I feel like he could play all over the diamond. Um, I think 
Thames or Zimmerman are more of a liability on defense, and I think one of them would probably be better to slot into that spot. Well, I'm trying to think, okay, then who, yeah, gains, so, who would gain the most playing time out of this then? That doesn't yeah. really have it is kind of where I was going with it. I can care less who plays the physical DH spot. I'm trying to gather who actually gets the most at bats. Well, in that case, I think Zimmerman will get more playing time. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I actually think that uh, you just see Zimmerman and Thames just DH as, I mean, sorry, platoon as planned. You know, they're at first base. And, I mean, I think if you can just put get Howie Kendrick's uh, bat in the lineup a little more often there, I, I think he's a big uh, benefactor. I'm with you. I hate to always be – actually, I love being against uh, Zach there, so – <laughs> Anytime I can, it's actually a good day. But uh, yeah, that's going to do it for the Nationals. We can move on over to the NL Central here. And we'll start right at the top of the Brewers. And I say right at the top because I'm looking at Russell Resource, which, by the way, if you're not supporting Fangraphs, go do so. That's the, yeah, we're not, I, we're I just not, we're not wanted to say one thing about uh, Howie Kendrick. When I was looking at the bad ball data stuff, and he, he stood out as someone who's even in his in his limited plate appearances last season – his percentage of balls hit over 100 miles an hour was just was near the top in the league. So it's just crazy how at 30, almost 37 years old, he's still hitting the ball very hard. So, yeah, I just wanted to put that out there. <laughs> so when you look at the Brewers, we just take a quick look, and I think it's fairly obvious who gains the most from uh, being with the D, having a DH here. But, George, I'll let you go ahead and speak on it first. Who do you, Who is it for you that just gains the most in this was in this position yeah so for me i i really like this for uh obviously El garcia you know i love avi garcia and i think that uh the dh just kind of gives ryan braun a place to to play there in the lineup uh he can't play the field I mean, ryan braun cannot play the field like uh, at all he's just he's not only for his defense but because you know his injury history as well i mean you want to get him off the field uh his back could still play i mean the guy could still hit uh, he's still got some speed, still hit for a decent average, um, hit some power. So I think Ryan Braun, D, moving him to DH uh, and just oh, give give Avi Garcia full playing time and just give him all the playing time there in the outfield. So um, I, w- I would love the pro- the the move for uh, Garcia's prospects there in Milwaukee. You touched on the exact situation I was uh, planning on touching on. There's not really much else there, I would think. Obviously, Braun is the one who probably gains the most. Well, Braun and Garcia, the two of them have don't have to fight for playing time anymore. So that's kind of nice. What about you, uh, Zach? Did we miss anybody? Or are those guys? Yep. That's kind of it, no. right? Ryan Braun. This is this is the perfect situation for Ryan Braun. Get out of the field, hit as much as possible. Like George said, I mean, he's still hitting the ball very productive. Uh, he's among the leaders in hard hit percentage, exit velo. So I mean, he's still getting the job done. He just he needs to stay healthy and stay off the field. It's perfect for him. Perfect for him. It really is. He'll actually get more playing time, and it'll be kind of it would actually be a boost in his fantasy value. And he might be available in some leagues on the waiver wire. I doubt it, but if you drafted early shallower formats, he might be, and he might be worth grabbing. That's a whole other discussion. Maybe we need to talk. This podcast should cover some names to possibly look for off the waiver wire. Actually, so that's kind of cool. Which I don't know about you guys, but my redraft leagues that do have waiver wire active. I won't lie to you. I haven't looked at the waiver wire in like weeks. Nope. It's yeah, same same <laughs> it's so depressing. Goodness, where's I need baseball back? You got I the really show. Do. We do. We have video games and and OOTP, and that's literally we are when we're not talking about baseball on this podcast. We are playing baseball for fake. So, 
for fake for real. So anyway, yeah, no one cares about us playing. Like we're a bunch of degenerates. We're like thirty years old, and we <laughs> podcast for fun, play video games. Yeah, we're going far in life. Anyway, hey, man, I, I will say that playing MLB the Show and doing our MLB Remix uh, League on OOTP has just completely opened up the you know the player pool for me. Like I am just oh, looking yeah. at players I would have never imagined I would look nope. at. So it, yeah, it's been oh, yeah. amazing. It's been fun. Hundred percent, and, and it helps like, you look at other factors like defense and bullpen and other factors it, along those lines. It makes you a better fan of the game, which yeah, is awesome. Absolutely, because I'm guilty of it. I focus mostly on offense because that's fantasy, and I've honestly neglected bullpen in in the past few years. I've neglected like no name starters because I was like they're not relevant. And then you randomly hear about these guys, you know, mid season. You're like, where did he come from? Well, I promise you now, if there's somebody that we don't that comes up this year we don't know about, or somebody that has a good game or two that we haven't heard of, I doubt that's going to happen because these games are ridiculous for that man. It's been it's been so good to us, and honestly, crazy as it sounds, it should help our analysis moving forward for sure. So, I know it's kind of a random tangent, but I'm ex- I'm excited because although it is kind of funny that that's what we don't done with our off time, it's actually been beneficial to this side of things as well. So, yeah, Cardinals. Yeah, hard cut to Cardinals. Not edited cut, hard cut. So, oh, <laughs> dang, it's loading again. My internet's supposed to be upgraded, and I'm having a hard time. Um, okay, for me, it's relatively obvious. I'll let uh, this time I'll let Zach start on it. Who would you say uh, gains the most in this situation here? So the the outfield situation is very intriguing over there. There's a lot of pieces and not enough room in the starting lineup for all of them. Right now, Fowler, Tommy Edmond, and Harrison Bader are factored are, are slotted into the, the three outfield slots. Don't know if that's the case or not, but the odd man out for me right now is Tyler O'Neill, and I think he would be a great DH option as well. Um, you're looking at a 30 home run bat, uh, middle of the order presence. Um, he just he hasn't gotten the playing time. I feel like this could really uh, get him on the map and give him the playing time that he needs and deserves. I mean, he's he's got an amazing bat. He's, he's a very streaky player. Uh, it's always because he really hasn't been getting consistent playing time. So I think slotting him in at DH would, would be great for this team. And what about you, George? Uh, so I think uh, the DH actually probably goes to Matt Carpenter. They get him off out of the – Yeah, get him. Get him off of the field, uh, preserve his health. I mean, they, they paid him, you know, $39 million over two years last year. Um they didn't pay him that to, to you know to sit on the bench or anything. So I think I think the biggest benefactor for me is probably Tommy Edmond. I think if if uh, and that goes to kind of trickles down to Tyler O'Neill as well. You get Tommy Edmond to play third base and put uh, Tyler O'Neill in the outfield, and then you get uh, Matt Carpenter at DH. So I, I like this move for you know Zach made a good point about O'Neill, but I think this also really uh, would help Tommy Edmond if he can just play third base there and get Matt Carpenter to DH, kind of preserve his health. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, I like that situation. And unfortunately, Dylan Carlson seems like he'll be squeezed, at least initially, still. I would like to think he would – I mean, the thing is, though, is a DH, you don't need to be a good defender to play DH. And O'Neal, although I, don't, I think O'Neal's about league average, I don't think he – you know, he can just kind of DH. Or, again, Carpenter and him might split the DH because Carpenter's defense isn't all that bad, but O'Neal's isn't that great. So – and – it's crazy, man. I, I I think this is the second straight podcast. I'm making a point to say this. If I did, I don't know if I said it on this podcast, but I just want to emphasize that good defense is actually probably a bigger deal in this park because this is a hitter. Sorry, a pitcher's ballpark, so it's a bigger field. 
outfield is kind of important because you, you need players who can cover more ground. But all in all, man, I just Cardinals don't get enough credit for the power. The people that do it for power at this park don't get enough credit because this park's like one of the, I think the, I think it's the sixth worst for power production or something in the, in the majors right now. It's pretty. It is. It, it is down near the bottom as far as um, historically, you know, players um, underperforming their expected woba. Um, it, it's been it's down there near the bottom. So players typically go. go in there and and underperform. And then people might wonder why Goldie had an off year. So you're looking at the uh, you're looking at the mix of a bad home park and just declining skill set. So exactly. So it's not you know part of it's real part part of it's really it's a mix of things going on for Goldschmidt. Unfortunately, I don't see it getting any better. But anyway, I'm di- I digress. Um, so moving on to the Cubs, the Cubbies, Wrigley Field. I'm trying to again. This internet's killing me. So, yeah, I think we're all kind of dealing with that right now. I mean, everybody being home just kind of, you know, weird. bogging down the all the internet, you know, is, is uh, it's tough. <laughs> it's really weird because I, I I purposely pay for upgraded internet. I I demand upgraded internet. It's it's not that bad. It's just a little slower than I'd like right now. That's all. But anyway, with the Cubs right off the top, the name that sticks out to me is Steven Souza Jr. He was getting a ton of run um, in spring training. They wanted to see what they had. You know, he missed bulk of 2018 with an injury, missed all of 2019 with said injury. But prior to that, you have multiple seasons. You know, he's a power speed combination. In 2017, he had the career year of 30 home runs, 16 stolen bases. Um, in 2018, prior to the injury, he had five home runs and six stolen bases. He's never been much for average. A career 233 batting, a batting average guy. A career 323 OBP, and that's actually roughly about le- a little above league average, but not much. All in all, a solid player could offer a little bit of sneaky power speed combo. Only 30 years old, obviously health matters, but I think he obviously makes sense to be a DH slash fourth outfielder just so he can get some reps in the outfield. But ultimately, his bat could be a power, you know, power mate, a power difference. I can't think of the words. It could be difference making from a power aspect. That's what I'm trying to say. I mean, that's the only thing that sticks out to me. Horner, but I don't think Horner's going to get run. I don't know. I just, again, I think they're going to treat him just like the other rookies we mentioned. Anyway, any, any other names, Zach, George, either of you? Yeah, you know, the more I look at this team, the more I'm actually really concerned about this team going into this year. Um, just not a ton of great depth. And uh, I don't know, I just feel like this team is on the decline while some of the other teams in this division maybe are on the rise. Um, but that being said, one name, it doesn't stand out crazy in the fantasy world, but I could see Albert Almora slotting more into the center field slot and Ian Happ maybe getting some more run as DH. Um, Almora, the more superior defender in center field where compared to App, Happ or Hayward at this point. So I could see Almora entering the lineup if this is the case. And the other guy who's maybe more of the fan, could be a fantasy, um, can make more of a fantasy impact is maybe David Bodie. He's got some power on base skills. He is not, superior defensively uh, he's kind of all over the place defensively so maybe this would be a good spot for him as well so those are the two names that come to mind uh, to maybe get some more reps yeah so i would actually i would actually like to see victor caratini get more playing time i mean that, that would be that would be nice from the catcher position uh have a sneaky guy that you could draft like super late and get you know some some production there caratini uh hit 266 last year with 11 home runs and uh only 95 games, so 
Uh, he is a better defender, better framer than Contreras. Maybe Contreras gets DH and, and Caratini gets more time behind the plate there. But yeah, I, th- I think that would be I think that would be awesome. I mean, it, if Steven Souza Jr. or Albert Armora are out there, I mean, I, I guess it kind of makes sense to maybe get them out there in the outfield. But I would love to see Caratini get more playing time just to you know get another uh, another you know good option there in the catcher position. That didn't cross my mind, so that was actually a good take. That was very interesting. Because I know Carantini has some potential with if he got the playing time. So good call on Carantini. I'm still not giving you any credit for anything, Zach. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you never do. I wonder if that's if that's too much of a risk for them, though, to have two catchers in the starting lineup. I mean, they would probably have to carry a third catcher if they do do that scenario that you're talking about. But it, that might be a little bit risky, in my opinion, to play both of them. But, yeah, I mean, both of them have strong bats and – Offensive upside, so yeah. I mean, I could hey, see they, they've got Kyle Schwarber. <laughs> I mean, it's true. Their third catcher. Behind... <laughs> yeah, he could throw the catcher's mid on uh, in a pinch. I'm so. sure you Darvish would love pitching <laughs> to Kyle Schwarber. Oh man, that would be a disaster. <laughs> it would be so bad. Oh my god, that would be fun. Yeah. That would be fun to watch. We, you know what? Let's go put it on a video game. And Let's see put that, that in the out. sim out of the park. Let's see yeah. what happens. Right, you Darvish quits baseball. <laughs> Kyle Schwarber just benched forever because he couldn't catch a damn ball. It'd be terrible, man. Schwarber like, oh, leads the league in errors, past balls. <laughs> oh man, that'd be fantastic. Remember when he was a catcher? How valuable he was in fantasy that year, though. Yeah, yeah. And then the next year he was overdrafted because of it, <laughs> and yep. everybody got disappointed. And then now he's such. He a was a major player. disappointment offensively, though that yes. season that yes, he had catcher eligibility. And but the catcher eligibility made him go overdrafted as it was yep. because the potential of him having the eligibility but playing outfield was a huge deal. So, which I can understand now because especially with catchers being what it, what they are. But I don't know. I, I was I was able to avoid him that year. This was before I was an analyst, so I have no proof. But anyway, on to the Bucks, the Pirates. Don't know why I call them the Bucks. That was weird. Pittsburgh Pirates. Ugh, I'm just I'm just looking at them like deflated. I don't want anybody. I do want somebody who's not even on the major league roster, but other, I guess I'll get to him eventually. But who wants to start about this? This team's just ugly. It is. It is. Uh, I mean, yeah. This this team is just kind of bare after you know after you get past like Newman, Reynolds, uh, Josh Bell. There's not very much after that. I, I think. Um, I mean, the most interesting guy I guess I, I could pick out here is maybe Jose Ozuna, uh, who's kind of a ver- versatile player. Um, it doesn't strike out too much. He could play either corner infield position and uh, and right field. So uh, he, he's someone that could you know get more at bats, get some more playing time. Uh, like I say, he has a pretty decent play discipline. Uh, did hit two sixty four with ten home runs last year in ninety five games. So uh, has a kind of an interesting uh, profile there. But I, I think Ozuna is just one, the one that kind of stands out for me. Uh, I, I guess this would just be like from a fantasy perspective, like in like a deep, like NL only kind of league. I was gonna say this is the only team I know that with a DH still has somebody. It still won't have anybody fantasy relevant. <laughs> God, <it's> so <laughs> bad. What about you, Zach? The one name, like you said, this is there's not much to work with here <laughs> with Pittsburgh. Um, I could see them maybe diving into their minor league player pool to maybe fill this spot. Um, one of the guys that I could see is Cabrian Hayes. I could see them maybe slotting him into third base as he's a really good defender over there. 
and he does appear to be pretty close to big league ready. Um, and then moving Colin, Colin Moran to DH. Um, we were, I just don't see them being aggressive. I, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, this is a very young team. It's possible. I mean, they're a rebuilding team. It's possible. We obviously, like we said earlier, we don't know exactly what's going to happen with the service time, what they're going to come to agreement with. Um, but if, for some reason, Pittsburgh feels like being aggressive with this new regime. That could be a very good to fit, good fit for that team. But like you said, I don't know if I see them going that route. And there's not a ton of other veteran options that I really love yeah. here. <laughs> and as far as the minor leaguers go, Paul Tucker technically is slotted in AAA right now. He was getting a lot of early run with the guys in spring. He was hitting like 300 in the meantime or 280. So he was actually showing some pop, uh, some solid you know hit tool. So that could be an option, but again, that's really like, pretty relevant for your average league. It's fifteen team relevant only, or or not only. Jared Oliva is a very interesting speed first type of guy prospect in AAA right now. He could be he could maybe get the call because I don't think he has you know any type of huge ceiling upside as far as uh real life goes. So maybe they, they're a little more leaning on him. And the last one, I think he's just overdue. He's twenty five years old already, and it's Will Craig in AAA. He essentially is the he's your typical he's your twenty five home run two fifty batter in twenty eighteen hundred thirty two games twenty home runs two forty eight in twenty nineteen hundred thirty one games twenty three home runs two forty nine like he is twenty five and two fifty nothing flashy nothing special but he can definitely be a DH and maybe he comes up and does a little something something a little maybe. Pushes for well, he won't push for thirty this year. But you know my point. Maybe he, maybe the power plays up a little bit depending on what ball they use. So you just don't know what to expect ultimately with this team. But I think there are some intriguing options, but definitely for your deeper formats. So that's pretty much all that is there. Well, that's that's enough of the Pirates. There's nothing exciting. Let's go to the Reds where it gets very intriguing. Let's see, George. I haven't heard you talking in a while. Talk to me about the Reds. <laughs> Um, so yeah, looking at the Reds, I, I guess the one thing that stands out is just the, the log jam they have in the outfield. So, I mean, maybe, maybe you could push, uh, Senzel to get a little few more at bats there, uh, between Senzel and Shogo Akiyama. Um, really, I mean, uh, outside, outside of that, I mean, that's just the, the obvious kind of, that's just what stands out to me. Um, not sure, not sure if anything else stands out to you guys. Senzel seems the, like the obvious winner here as well. What about you, Zach? Uh, one name that stands out to me is Aquino. As of right now, he's slotted into uh, not really any spot with the big league club. He's slotted into AAA. Whether or not that's the route that they were going to take, I don't know. But um, we saw him come on the scene last year. We saw that big bat right in the middle of the order. Um, that's a bat that they could definitely use in that order. Uh, there just really wasn't a spot with the Castiano signing and the Akiyama signing. Um, but if they can add that DH spot, I think this would be – the perfect scenario to get him back in the lineup. All right, sounds good. I'm going to hurry us up a little bit because we have five more teams and we're going to it's going to push about an hour, so I don't want to make people listen more than they have to because nope. we all know yeah. an hour is a good good amount of time. So, All right, on that note, we're going to go ahead and take a brief break and we'll be right back with you after a word from our sponsors. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. 
And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. And we're back. Diamondbacks. <laughs> like, they have a really good start. <laughs> Diamondbacks have a really good starting roster, I think. But then I'm looking at their bench, and does this, like, the Steven, this, this goes back to your Carantini discussion. Does Steven Vogt and Jake Lamb kind of split it and platoon it together? Does Steven Vogt just get more run there? Will that cause them to want to go to a third guy, a you know, third catcher type of deal? Essentially, the same discussion. Does Kevin? I like Kevin Crone a lot. Twenty-seven years old, power first guy as well. It's like that could be very, very interesting with the D- universal DH. I think there's a lot of power potential there. But what do you guys think? Am I am I crazy for wanting to believe in Kevin Crone? Uh, no, no, not at all. I mean, they they have a kind of a a lot of interesting bats there. I mean, they've got like you said, Jake Lamb, uh, Seth Beer. Seth Beer could could be someone who who comes up. Um, big power potential kind of guy who doesn't really have like a defensive place because I mean, he's just not very good defensively. Um, so, I mean, a, a universal DH would be perfect for someone like, like Seth beer. Um, Josh Rojas is someone I'd love to see get more playing time. But you Kevin mentioned Kevin Crone. Crone. So, uh, so I want to dream on Kevin Crone because from 2015 to 2018, he put up 22 home runs or more at every, at every stop between high A to triple A. And then last year, I don't know what he did, but in 82 games, he put up 38 home runs at AAA. <laughs> I don't know what happened. He hit a home run like every other game, basically. And he hit a total of 45 home runs last year between all his uh, between all levels. So it's just fun to dream on. The power is obviously not a question. He's been he's been a guy. Seriously, I'm looking at his, I'm looking at his batting averages, and he hits for a decent average most of the time as well. So. I'm just all in all, I'm kind of intrigued by Kevin Crone with the with the DH. Like he could be a sneaky guy that you're not drafting in your twelve teamers now, but a few weeks into the season he gets off to a hot start, and or if he's you know if, assuming that he even gets the spot because I think yeah Josh Ross was another good name and you know Alex Chamberlain would definitely love you for that one because that's been his guy since like November when when we had him yeah. on the show. But uh, I, I don't know, Kevin Crone, I want to dream on him just because of how the power played last year. I don't know how much, I mean, obviously the juice ball was a big factor, but when you put up 46 home runs with the juice ball, you can still put up 30 without one. It's just my tangent on Kevin Crone, which I never thought I'd be this high on a 27 year old non prospect until last season. So, <laughs> yeah, I think both of those names you threw out there, Kevin Crone. Um, I also like Jake lamb. Um, I used to be a huge Jake lamb fan before he just, went on such a decline but yeah i could see maybe some type of like dh platoon in that scenario because jake lamb cannot hit lefties so he would clearly not be in there for that and so yeah maybe a crone lamb um some type of platoon i was just looking at their roster resource i didn't realize that yasmani tomas was still on this team (laughs) it seems like that would be like the perfect fit for him because he's horrible in the field but that ship has most likely sailed so that's why i think uh Lamb and Crone would be an ideal platoon DH scenario for them. And if we move over to the Dodgers, just another team that just doesn't need more reason to get more good bats in their lineup, but give them a DH and now they become even stronger on offense. That's just not fair. Zach, what do you think about uh, the Dodgers situation and who would you peg as the favorite to land that DH spot? Oh man. Yeah. There's just a plethora of talent here. Um, I mean, if anything, there may have been some questions if Gavin Lux was going to be the starting second baseman. And I think this kind of all but secures that, uh, that he would be in the starting lineup. Uh, So I think this definitely helps Lux out. 
But yeah, I mean, right now you got AJ Pollock slotted in on the bench right now. I mean, that's a glove that you want out there, but they just they're just loaded. I just really wonder like what kind of scenarios you could see here to get <laughs> I mean you got Mookie Betts, Bellinger, and Jock out there. Um, I mean, I wonder if you do some type of platoon between Jock and Pollock. I, think I don't know. DH ultimately will be rotated between Turner and Pollock to keep them healthy because they're both known for their health issues. But I think this gives Pollock an everyday role because, like you said, Ross Resource has him on the bench. I think this would almost relegate him to like almost an everyday role because if you look at even in limited time, three of the last three years, he's played 112 games, 113 games, and 86 games. But he still has managed 14 home runs or more in every season, and that was with such a limited amount of time. 20, 20 stolen bases, 13 stolen bases, and 5. So probably wouldn't peg him for more than 10, even if he stayed healthy. Maybe 15 in a full, fully healthy season, which I don't see him putting up a fully healthy season. But I think the bat is almost – I mean, it's not as valuable as the glove, but it's still pretty – it's still a solid bat that should play. And this is his way in and, st- and his way to stay healthy while playing. So I really like AJ Pollock in this situation to at least get a good amount of the at bats one way or another with the DH being there. And again, yeah. you mentioned and you mentioned the splits. I'm gonna look, I'm actually gonna look up the splits because Jock doesn't hit against lefties, and you're looking at a guy in Pollock that's a career 281 hitter against lefties. So maybe he gets the field during those days uh, versus lefties, and then DHs against righties because he's a 279 career guy against righties. Yeah, you guys uh, brought some interesting points up. This is just a team with just so many, so many pieces. You know, so many moving parts that they can move around. Uh, it is, it is very unfair for the rest of the league. Um, a- another situation like that could be, you know, Max Muncy. They want to DH Max Muncy some days and put uh, Kike Hernandez for his defense out there, like in second base, is another option. I think I know you know you like mentioned the ten day. they're going to treat like the ten day IL. They're just going to keep like <laughs> when they do Dodgers and their pitchers, they're going to they're going to do that with their hitters. Like they're just, right. It's gonna be such a pain in the butt. Such a pain in the butt. Yeah, yeah. So I, I do think you know, like you said, this maybe benefit guys like Justin Turner and uh, AJ Pollock. Maybe they could, um, you know, preserve their health a bit. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like I said, Kike Hernandez playing second base more, and maybe Max Muncy DHing as uh, another option. So yeah, I'm just I'm not sure who really would get more at bats. I think it's just going to be another one of those situations, like you mentioned, like their pitchers, where you just you never know. It could be it could be. They could DH someone new every day, you know. <laughs> so in that scenario, if you're putting Muncie at second base, what happens with Gavin Lux? Oh, I mean, uh, well, I mean, Lux can play third base as well, right? Or I guess he can. I don't know how much experience. It, it, they just they just have so many options. It's ugh, Dodgers are just gonna it's, do Dodger things here, like you said, with their pitching staff. It's gonna happen with their hitters now, but yeah, it's it's tough. These guys are all gonna get at bats one way or another. Yeah. It's a nice problem to have. It must be nice. I wouldn't know what it feels like to have that type of uh, <laughs> that type of problem. Now that we discussed the Dodgers and all and how great of a team they are, time to transition to probably arguably the worst team in the division. And we're gonna let George handle that because it's his team <laughs> in the San Francisco Giants. Have fun, George. <laughs> it's all you, buddy. I see the obvious name for me, but who 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 do you got? Uh, yeah. So I mean, look at the at this Giants team. It's almost similar to like that pirate situation where it's like, I mean, does anyone really gain more value? But I mean, yeah. I mean, Buster Posey. I mean, maybe he gets some time. To, it's going to be one of those situations where, again, much like their roster, much like their positions in general. I mean, there's going to be a lot of moving parts with this Giants team. 
trying to balance the mix of, of veterans and young players, you know, and so there's going to be a lot of moving parts. I mean, Longoria, Bell, um, Hunter Pence, Buster Posey, you know, they're still going to put those guys out there. I think it's maybe going to be a little bit of a mix. I mean, Longoria is still good defensively there at third base, so maybe he just stays there, Bell at, at first base. But, yeah, I'd like to see Posey. Maybe he gains some value, like in points leagues, if he gets more volume with the with the DH there. Uh, maybe he gains some value uh, in points leagues. As far as Roto, I don't, I don't think it does much because I don't think his counting stance will go, like, too much higher, even if he does get more at-bats there with the DH. But in a points league, yeah, I mean, you're looking for the volume, you're looking for the at-bats, and if you can hit, you know, 260, 270 uh, and get some more at-bats, I mean, yeah, that I like that for Posey, uh, maybe making him relevant again in, in points leagues. Uh, but other than that, yeah, it's it's just kind of tough. Uh, they got they got a lot of pieces that are just kind of so-so. Maybe Hunter Pence uh, gets more at-bats there as well, so... And that's that just kind of change last year that kind of made him really good while he was healthy. Yeah, yeah, he really had a revival there in, in Texas. So, uh, yeah, I'm not sure how much that's going to translate at Oracle Park, but hey, I mean, maybe you he never know. A lot of balls, you never know. Yeah, and looking, I'm obviously not going to harp on the Giants. They suck. It is what it is. I'm sorry. I mean, you're going to be good in a couple of years. You're always good in a couple of years, but it's just like you said. There's really not much there, and I just like to give you a hard time. The Padres. <laughs> There's only one right answer here, and it's Will Myers, right? Like, yes, like, sir. Is there any other player? Like, I don't think anybody else is going to argue for anybody else. Will Myers not having to play the field guarantees his health, and I don't. I, I gotta look into him. I don't understand why the K rate spiked as much as it did. We're talking about a career twenty six point six percent strikeout rate. Never, never the highest career high prior to that was twenty seven point seven, and last year was thirty point thirty four point three. He still put up eighteen and sixteen. With such a, a hideous uh, strikeout rate, only hit 239, but he's never really been a batting average guy. He's always been a 251 guy. So I think as long as he cuts down on the strikeouts, which I don't see why he shouldn't. At 29 years old, he should still be in his prime. I don't think he just hit a wall. So I think ultimately, any way of getting him back in the, any way of getting him in the lineup without having to, without having to play the field is a win. And I think the bat will still play. And I think all of us are a little too low on Will Myers, and including myself and. Maybe it's because I got burned because we all know how much I was on him last year. Probably one of my biggest misses of the draft last year. Yeah, me and me and you were were huge on Will Myers last him. year. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Will Myers, he was he was on his way to becoming the stud of this team and really one of the better players in baseball. And then they signed Eric Cosmer, and that just ruined everything. I mean, he was getting comfortable at first base. Um, I think him being out in the out. Being out in the outfield is a huge liability for him defensively and health-wise. Um, I think getting him into the DH spot would really uh, make him more relaxed at the plate, and I just feel like his numbers would would boost right back up to where he was a couple of years ago. So yeah, I think Will Myers and another name, Franchi Cordero, I think this kind of solidifies him as uh, getting a spot in the lineup whether DH or in right field. So I think Franchi and Will Myers would benefit the most from this. Anybody else, George, or did we cover who you think would ultimately take the spot? No, I think you guys pretty much covered it. I had, uh, yeah, Will Myers here is uh, probably the biggest biggest benefactor of the DH. Gotcha. And the Rockies are the way to finish this off because it's been too long since I've ranted about the Rockies. So you know what? They're going to get DH. It's not going to be Garrett Hampson. It's not going to be Ian De- De- Desmond. It's not going to be R- R- Ryan Tapia. It won't even be Sam Hilliard. It's going to be Josh Fuentes. 
You see it over here first. <laughs> I thought I thought you were gonna say Pat Valake. <laughs> Pat Valake is not on this team anymore, but Josh Fuentes is. And Fuentes will get the, no, in all seriousness, all it does is add more of a headache because at least in my opinion, which obviously because I'm saying it, you had like I mentioned Garrett Hampson, Ian Desmond, and Rymel Tapia. Tapia was killing it in spring, actually. He was absolutely demolishing the ball, doing very well, probably earning a starting spot, or if not first man up type of deal. And now you're getting to get the DH, and they show Sam Hilliard still starting, which I don't know if he was going to start over Tapia, but regardless, you have all those names for one more spot, and then you have to factor in Brendan Rodgers. You got to think he's going to make he's going to make some type of if, this, if the rosters get extended, he's going to be on on them. So all in all, man, I don't know what to. I still it's a bigger cluster. I don't know what to do anymore. I still don't know what to do. They added a spot for an extra hitter. I still don't know what to do with this team. Does anybody know what to do? I don't. I give up. Nope. Yeah, no. I don't know, man. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, like, there's no right answer here. Right. Yeah. I mean, just the thing that makes sense is just you know, DH Daniel Murphy move McMahon over to first. Hampson have Hampson play second. Yeah, play That's Hampson at second. That's the scenario that I was playing out as well. Murphy would be the ideal DH candidate so, here. Again, we talked about what makes sense and what the and we're talking about the Rockies. Exactly. So, Josh Fuentes will play first. Um, <laughs> Murphy will play second, and McMahon will DH or something stupid. God, I hate the Rockies. They are the absolute <laughs> worst. I'm not. That's actually not going to happen for anybody who might be taking me serious. It's just the if you don't know how bad the Rockies are right now, that's just the, that was the, an idea, an example of exactly what to expect. If you if you think the Rockies are going to do the right thing, they are not. But that's going to do it, man. We have so much going on with Bases Loaded Network right now. Just I urge you to go check out BasesLoadedNetwork.com for everything. We just expanded to the prospects and dynasty side of things. We, we just dropped the top 20 Orioles. Um, I, yeah, there are 20 Oriole prospects worth mentioning, apparently. We just dropped that article on the site. We got dynasty rankings coming out, trickling out. We have articles. We're putting out eight articles this week alone. By the time we're listening to this, it'll, the week will almost be over. But regardless, you get my point. We just have so much going on. Other than that, if you want to hit us up on Twitter with your baseball questions, fantasy baseball, whatever, you can find us on Twitter. George is at Roto underscore Nino. Zach is at Braff Z. I'm at Mike underscore Curland. Bases Loaded can be found at Bases Loaded FBN on Twitter and Instagram. And other than that, don't forget. Oh, yeah. Don't forget that five-star rating review. We greatly appreciate it. 20 away from 100 ratings. That would be fantastic. If we can get there, that'd be awesome. But other than that, guys, we just appreciate you continuing to support us, continuing to support our product as a whole as we continue to grow it. And we will just talk to you soon. 